we've been in a series um, entitled just because I don't have a better title yet. I haven't found a better name to my title yet. Um, but we're talking about evangelism and talking about connecting with people in society and, and in the world. And that was, that was the last thing that Jesus talked about is how important it was to connect with people. Um, last, last instruction that he gave humanity was to make disciples. And you can't not be around people and make disciples of them. And I asked you a question last Wednesday night, and the question was, when was the last time that you had dinner or you connected yourself in any way to somebody that was not a believer? You know, there were two groups of people that loved Jesus, and it was the, it was the non-religious people of the day, because there weren't any believers in his day. Nobody was born again yet. A believer is a person that's become born again. There were religious people of the day, and then there were people that were what the Bible calls sinners. They're non-believers of religion in that day. And the non-believers of religion loved Jesus, and the kids loved Jesus. They loved him. And then, And there were a lot of other people, a lot of religious people that didn't, want to be anywhere around him because everywhere he went something radical happened everywhere he went something radical happened and the same spirit that lived in him is the same spirit that lives in you and I if we're born again if you're here to if you're sitting here tonight and you're born again and and Jesus lives inside of you then the same spirit that lived inside of him and is still inside of him is the same spirit that lives and resides inside of us. Everywhere he went, something radical happened. Everywhere. And we don't even have a fourth of the stories about him. But man, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I mean, there was some stuff that went on with him. Right? So tonight... We're just going to go a little bit deeper, and this next month, the month of August, we'll talk some about, we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit tonight, and in August we're going to talk about that, and then in September, so for, for a good period of time, we're going to talk on things that touch the understanding of evangelism and what it is, what it means to evangelize. We're going to define the word through a a, a number of different directions and then in a date a, a date that we're going to give you we're going to have a friends day on a Sunday morning where everybody invites at least one person I think we I think we ought to have a have a have a have a competition and uh, the person that invites the most people will give them you know a new Camaro or something <clears throat> you know like that anyway um, but uh, something along that line. Um, but the more people that we have on one Sunday, the greater potential of a person's life being ministered to and touched with the seed of God's Word. And the Bible says 
The Bible is very clear, and I, I believe this every time I share anything with anybody, that the word that goes forth out of my mouth will not return void, but accomplish what I set it out to accomplish. So it's really important that we understand what we're doing every day in the lives of other people. Because the more you're doing for others, the less you're focused on yourself. And when you're not focused on yourself, God can get through and do some things in your life. You and I are the, are the number one roadblock for God doing things in us. When we're taking the care and worrying and fretting and trying to control our own lives. God wants to be in control. Amen? And the, way we, the, the number one way you do that is focusing on others because that was his last directive. Make disciples of all people. So, that's what we're talking about a little bit tonight. Two words tonight. Well, actually, two words I'm going to mention, but we're just going to mainly focus on one. Um, the word engaging, we've talked about that word several times in the last two or three years in some seasons of talking along this line, engaging and equipping. And um, you would think that it's more important to talk about equipping before you talk about engaging, but actually, you and I need to be compelled to be engaged and along the way, be equipped. So remember that and think about that the more we talk along this line. Everybody say engage and equip. We read the story out of Luke 15. Um, we read the three stories out of Luke 15. Um, the story about the lost sheep, how the shepherd left the 99 and went for the one. The story of the lost coin, how the woman did everything she could to find the coin. And the story of the lost son, who the father threw a great party and rejoiced over his, over his lost son being found. And the Bible said there was, there's more rejoicing in heaven when one person comes to repentance than 99 that don't need it. And we've got to understand that. Are the 99 not important? No, no, the 99 are important. Everybody say, I'm important. Okay? The 99 are important. But the 99 have to be busy with the one, as Dale was saying earlier. The one. See, because in that story, there's 99 others that should have a shepherd's heart. They may not be the chief shepherd but they should have the shepherd or the father's heart. So the other 99 should be busy causing heaven to rejoice over the one in their life. So the way that the 99 are ministered to and taken care of is they're busy doing father's business. And the shepherd was the example in that story. But so focus just on what's happening inside the house. Let's all focus inside the house about how effective and how prepared we can be to handle 99 more. Amen? I mentioned this last week that 
Jesus was relevant in his day, but he did not allow the lives of people that he connected with, he did not allow their lives to cause him to compromise his moral convictions in any way, shape, or form. In other words, wherever he stepped into the world of others, he changed them. Now, the Apostle Paul, and we read this last week, and I want to read it again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. The Apostle Paul makes a, a similar statement of a number of statements that Jesus made, said it in a little bit different way, but it's the same thing. And I like what he says here. Verse 19, For though I'm free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. I make myself a servant to all. And to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews, to those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law and those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker of it with you. Now based on my question that I asked you last week, about when was the last time that you engaged somewhat in one form or another, with a non-believer. So, I'd like just a real quick response from anybody that can tell me of some non-believer that you've spent time with and just in a two or three minute real quick explanation what that time was like. Um, I have a coworker who I've worked with for about six years. Um, for five and a half of those six years, she was very adamant, didn't want to know anything about my church. He knew I was active in church, made sure he let me know he wanted to know nothing about Jesus. He didn't, he said he was well-educated, didn't need any more than that. Um, this man's sister passed away this year shortly after my mom died. All of a sudden, he became receptive to prayer and things. He was asking for it and saying, you know, I, I can tell you've been praying for me. Thank you. But before that, he just, and so I just let him be. And I said, well, I'm going to do me and you do you. And that, I think, spoke to him a lot when it came time for him being able to open up and not feeling like he was going to get egg on his face to come say, hey, I need prayer. Good. So you, you felt like, by you not trying to force the gospel on him, that he was, he, then when, it, when, when an opportune time arose, then he was open and receptive. Good, very good. Anybody else? One more. Anybody else that's been with somebody that's a non-believer? I always see Jessica with non-believers. Yeah, I went to a bar the other day, actually. <laughs> I did. <laughs> that's why I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know if I should share this. I saw them dragging her out. Yeah. 
I, uh, I've started going to a CrossFit and all kinds of people work out there in Fredericksburg and there is a group of girls that I am making just good friends with and one of them we had gone to lunch after a workout on Saturday and she goes oh I know you don't drink but you know would you like to come hang out with us tonight and I'm like thinking I haven't been in a bar scene in over 10 something years and I was like, yeah, I'll let you know, I'll let you know. And I prayed about it, and I felt like God said, I want you to go. And I'll tell you what, the bar scene hasn't changed, it's just different faces. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is like exactly like it was before. But, you know, I was there, and it was neat. I didn't, I didn't have to drink, I didn't. Everyone was drinking around me, and we ended up going to another type bar or whatever. And, and I stayed out to maybe 10 or 11 with them, and there was a, a young guy that, happened to sit next to me and so I know you're not drinking and we just started talking and he was so excited because I shared yeah I stopped drinking about 10 years ago I got saved and I just stopped drinking then he goes oh my gosh I just got baptized the other day and I'm so excited about this church that I found but my friends kind of make fun of me so here I am in a bar ministering to one of their friends about oh just keep going to church hear the word and your life is going to continue getting better and better and your friends are going to watch as you change and keep up with that peace that you have that's real and you know i just drove driving home i had to laugh thinking in the past i think i would have been afraid to go to a bar because of my past but god redeemed me from that and here this little guy luis you know like i can minister i can be light in a bar at 10 o'clock at night you know doesn't matter <laughs> Isn't that good? And, and you notice what she said. There was a time when she couldn't have done that in a bar. Why? Because of her past. There was, a, there was a time in my life when I couldn't go to the bars because of my past. But, but you know when the Holy Spirit's leading you, you're not looking for an opportunity to get sucked back in. Remember, Jesus, Jesus did not allow the, the stuff of the world to change his moral convictions. He changed theirs. So you have to know when something is right. And, and, and it's really important with that. But you know what? Uh, somebody says, well, you know, I mean, if, if you step out and you, do, you, you, you condone people doing things like what she was doing right there, if you, get, if you get in fear over every place someone goes, you'll never minister anywhere. And we're not going to be in fear of anything. We're not, we're not going to take things lightly, but we're not going to be in fear over what someone does. She did the right thing in going, being led by the Holy Ghost, and look at the opportunity that she had to minister life to someone. Amen? So, so remember, Paul said, I became all things to all people that I might win some. And, 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 and those things are so vitally important as, as we are allowing ourselves to engage two things allowing yourself to engage two things culture and community we're going to stay on this for a while and we're going to we're going to hit it from different directions but it's important until each one of you come to a place where you begin to realize how important it is to be a part of the Great Commission. You all need to be a part of the Great Commission and realize the importance of that. Amen? It's vital that you understand that. 
So, tonight, there's a couple things that, in, in this engaging culture and community, that I, that I really want you to see and to understand. What Jessica did in going to the bar was stepping into a culture that it's not going to be effective for the advancement of the kingdom for that culture to change her. That won't be productive to the advancing of the kingdom. But there's a culture there and a mindset that if we never go into that realm because we're afraid of it, it means that we're not growing up spiritually and able to handle anything that we come in contact with. Again, I stress, if you're just out of the bars, we're using bar as an example, if you're just out of the bar scene in your life and, and you're working on something, I definitely don't encourage you to go back into that scene for a season, for a time, for a period of time. Because... When you're not ready and you can't handle something like that, it will work on you and suck you right back into it. But the church needs to be in that cultural world, and we need to be there with a mission. So, what is the cultural goal? The cultural goal is to minister the word. Yes? The community goal is to see people saved. There's a cultural goal that we're after, and that is to minister the word. But the ministry of the word has to be done in a right way and an effective way. So there's people in every cultural setting out there that need you and I. And we've got to be able to step into that cultural setting and be as the Apostle Paul said and be as Jesus was, where they, where they were the light to the world. They were the light to cultural settings and, and where people were and, and, and not where there was this div division. Well, we're church people, we're Sunday go to meeting church people over here, kind of religious people to a lot of the world, and then there's the rest of the world. There's only two groups of people on planet earth, the saved and the unsaved. And there's a lot of saved people that look like they're unsaved by their actions, by the lack of Christ-likeness. And the reason that is is because they're not taught the Word. They're not taught enough of the Word to mature and to grow up and be able to handle the cultural differences that there are in someone who thinks one way with the Word and someone who thinks differently in the world. Because the world's culture has a way of thinking that we've been called to change. But we've got to change it in the right way. So... Anybody ever been to uh, BJ's? Anybody know what BJ's is? It's a restaurant with a bar attached to it? 
No, it's called BJ's in San Antonio. It's kind of like a glorified Chili's. And, uh, and it's got a bar attached to it. So let's just say that, and, and th- these, I'm just giving you an example of something that I've done in, in, in my life as a Christian. And let's say, let's say that, and, and you, have to, you have to believe in the Holy Spirit, the help that reveals things to us. You have to believe that he says something to you. Let's just say that God tells me to go to Billy Jean's in one way or another. I just have this sense. I just need to go there. And I've done things like this many times. And so I go into Billy Jean's and I walk in and I just tell them I just want to sit in the bar area over there. And I look over there and there's two guys sitting and they're talking and, and everything. And I'm sitting down and kind of, you know how you, you can act like you're on your phone and you can be listening to what they're saying. <clears throat> I'm not the only one that does that. Um, so you're just listening to what someone's saying, and, and so all of a sudden, you, you know, you can know in five minutes whether a person's born again or not, right? Or in five minutes, you can know whether they're, they're Christians that have minds that are renewed or not, just by what they say. A person's words will f- identify them. And so you listen to them, and like in this little setting right here, there were two guys talking, and and... Let's just suppose I was sitting at another table and then one of them gets up and leaves and then I sit down. And so let's say that what I overheard in the conversation had to do with something that in the natural, Josh being an unbeliever, I've, I've identified that he's an unbeliever. He's not born again. And he needs to be born again, but I heard him say a few things where, you know, really he needs deliverance in, in my mind. So Paul said, I become all things to all people. So would this be the right thing to say to Josh? Hey, how you doing? Doing great, thank you. Awesome, man. You need to get born again. <laughs> would you like a beer? <laughs> you need the devil cast out of you. <clears throat> Check, please. <laughs> so, so, you see what I'm saying? See, if, if you know, the, the Sadducees, they were evangelistic, but they were evangelistic in trying to get people to be one of them. See, Jesus loved people just like they were, and what did he do? He became... He became like them without them changing him. So, if Josh is sitting here and he's drinking a beer and, and you know, you, you, might, you might be a person that drinks beer, you may have a glass of wine, you know, I mean, if you're a person that you're addicted to alcohol and you can't live without it, you need to be set free of that like you do Bluebell ice cream. If you have to have a big fat bowl of that every day. You, you, don't, you understand? God, you, you just don't want to be addicted to things. But if Josh is having a beer, and, and in, if in my world 
you know, I'm not freaked out about those kind of things, and he offers me one and offers to buy me one, I might take the beer. I may not drink much of it or whatever because I, I, don't, I don't drink. I mean, personally, my wife and I, we don't drink. We don't drink alcohol. I, I was a teenage alcoholic, and when I got free of that, I just, like Jessica said, I just don't like to drink. A lot of my Christian friends and even pastor friends, a lot of them have a glass of wine or they drink a beer. Or they do whatever. That, 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 that's between them and God. The Bible doesn't say you can't do that. Drunkenness is what is, is what the Bible is clear about, but it's mixed in with all these other things. It's not like we pull that out as the worst thing, you see. So I may be sitting here and he offers. So, so God may lead me to accept that even if I don't drink it just because he offered it. See, because I'm becoming all things to all people. But see, if he offers me a beer and I accept it and I drink the whole thing down and have six more and now I get right back into drinking again, then I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, I've not, I've not judged my own heart about what I can do. I'm here to help him, not him, his life, let it affect me. You see, so we're sitting here and we're talking. So what I'm going to do, the best thing that you can do in ministry to people is what? Talk about yourself? No, talk to them. Ask questions. Ask them about themselves. Ask them about things that relate to them and let them, you know, talk to you. Because I promise you what will happen is you will become, you will become a male magnet. A guy like this will be drawn to the fact that you're interested and you care about him because most people have nobody around their lives that care anything about them. And most people talk about themselves. So in conversations, when someone, all they're doing is talking about themselves, and if you go into a situation like this, and all you do is tell this person about you and all the great things that you do and how great you are, well, they don't want to listen to that. See, because most people talk about themselves, so he wants to talk about himself. So let him talk. And what is he going to do? He's going to identify his life and where he's at, and especially if he's had a few. Hmm? He's under the influence, and he's going to spill it. And what will happen? Who knows? See? Thank you, Josh. Give Josh and Caleb a big hand. <clears throat> so so what, what could happen? Well, look at John. Five more minutes. Look at John. And next time we're going to kind of delve into this a little bit more. But in John 14 and verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What was his last command? make disciples now the commandment of love was the two commandments that are one but he, it wasn't an option about making disciples it was a commandment it wasn't if you feel like it that's what he left us with was to make disciples and he said if you love me keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now watch this. The 17th verse 
is the key verse in what we're talking about right here. And I'll just kind of end it with this. I will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And who is this helper? It's the spirit of truth. Watch this. Whom the two guys in the bar cannot receive. Because the two guys in the bar neither see him nor know him. What's the next word? What's the next word? But. Everybody say but. But. Now say, it, say, say the next three words after me. I know him. I know him. Two guys in the bar, they can't receive him. Why? Because they don't know him. But you know him. You know him. For he dwells with you. Does he? Yes. And he will be in you. But that was on that side of the cross. On this side of the cross, he is in me. And he's with me. So when I go to the bar, the guy that doesn't know him, or wherever I'm going, I'm just this setting, the guy that doesn't know him is because he can't receive him because he doesn't know him. He's an unbeliever. But he, but he can't receive him because he doesn't know him, but that's why I'm there. Why? Because I know him. And if I know him, then my responsibility, as the Apostle Paul said, was to get to his level and become like he is, but not let who he is change me, but find, become like him so that the power of God and the Spirit of God in me can change him. And just in a nutshell tonight, in a real simplistic way, that's what we're called to do. Right? That's what we're called to do. We're called to change people and to make a change. And you know what? The more that you're involved in that process, the more equipped that you become in the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom of God. Because every person that believes because of you, that's one less that can't receive. That's one less that can't receive because they don't know him. How selfish is it, and don't take this wrong when I'm saying that, but how selfish is it for us to know him and not share it? Huh? Now this, this helper, the Holy Spirit... He's the one that will lead you and guide you into what to do. It's not just go finding a bar to go in or just go find this place or that place. It can be the running track. It can be in a Pilate, whatever you plot something class. You know, it can be at work, like uh, Dolores shared. Thanks for helping me with the name. <laughs> uh, that Dolores shared about being at work. 
You know, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Don't, don't, don't just take my example as like that's, the, that's all I'm talking about. That's just one example that should, should go over the whole congregation tonight and fit in every situation that you find yourself in. And the Holy Spirit will help you. He's the helper. He'll help you to do it the way it needs to be done where, you, where you're not finding yourself preaching to people but being what they need you to be. Now, my example about being in the bar with the unbeliever that because the Holy Ghost knew what needed to be said is one situation, but what if this guy had had five different people in the last six months do some of the same things to him because God had led those people to minister to him. My prayer for people that I've sown seed in is that labors of love would come across their, their path and continue to sow seed and continue to water the seed that was there. So what, what would happen, what might happen, and it's happened to me before, is sitting here in a situation like this with someone else or, or wherever you come in contact with them because and, and I wouldn't necessarily know that five or six people have already shared with this guy as of late but there's been times when I knew in my heart that person was ready to be picked <laughs> they were ready and God knows that's why we need the Holy Ghost you, you go and tell the person they need to get born again and they don't even know what born again is and, and, and you're judging their life, people are going to resist that in most cases. But if they're a person that is primed and ready to be born again and you're sitting there with them, it's your delivery and how you say it that's vital. It's vital. I was in a, I was in a, in a car dealership one day. I'd... I used to work in car dealerships, did a lot of work on cars in different, about, I had 16 dealerships that, that I worked for. I had my own business, I contracted out to these dealerships. And I walked into this car dealership one day, and, and it, was a, it was a used car dealer, but it was all very expensive cars that this guy sold, and his cars were no more than a year or two old, but they were all... They were all BMWs and Mercedes and Rolls Royces and those and Ferraris and those type of cars, and all of them on his lot were that way. And uh, never forget this guy. And I walked up and I'm I'm just minding my own business, asking him if he needed work done on his cars, if I could do any any stripes or different things that I did. And I had a van and I'd drive up to dealerships. And I walked up that day. And he just looked at me, and, and God said, you minister to this guy. And there's several things about his life that weren't accepted by the world in any way, shape, or form. And everybody knew it about this guy. And I knew who he was. I just had never met him. And that day, before I did any work at his dealership, I led that guy to the Lord. Because God knew he was ripe and primed and ready. And I ministered. I mean, here's this grown man in his car dealership just bawling like a little baby because of the things that I was saying to him. Long story short, over the next two years, at about 8.30 in the morning, 
I'd go in that car dealership and, sh- and do a Bible study with some pretty high, high-end, high-influential men in that area that were all, most of them were homosexual men. But nobody knew it. And I would go in and share at 8.30 in the morning with these guys the Word of God. And it was phenomenal what happened, you know, with, with these different men. I don't know what happened in their lives, but they received the Word of God because of one act of obedience, of walking into that dealership that morning and asking him to, if he needed to get born again. But it was the way I said it that caused him to receive. It was interesting. So, you don't know what you're up against, but the Holy Ghost does. Can you say amen? Father, tonight...